you're going to go and aggregate more and more data inside of your inside of your warehouse. And that aggregation, as we've kind of hinted at, it's not like when you pull in your sales data set, you discover more customers. You get more and more context about every customer. You get more and more columns. You get more and more data that you can start to use for things like modeling, for analytics, and so on. And, and the crawl version is just getting that data ETL'd and cleaned up and integrated in the first place, which is pretty critical, to be honest, because once you can go and stitch that data together once, then you can use it for every application in your company. You're listening to Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. We're interviewing marketing leaders to discuss how they're using customer data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market. I'm thrilled to have our guest you know, today, uh, Peter, Peter Bayless, CEO and founder at Sisu Data. Um, yeah, Peter, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here and, uh, and chat with you all day. Uh, great. So before we sort of kick things off, maybe you can, you know, for our listeners today, just talk a bit about Sisu Data, what you guys do, you know, and some of the problems you solve. Awesome. So Sisu is an analytics platform for cloud scale data. And specifically, folks have brought more and more data into the cloud, integrated it, sitting in warehouses. But the last mile that most people interact with this data, their kind of BI visualization dashboarding tools, haven't really changed in the last 20 years. And uh, Sisu actually started as a research project at Stanford, where I was on the faculty uh, when we started Sisu, to basically help people who can really only see in two or three dimensions make use of the thousands of dimensions they had inside of their warehouse. So CISA will sit on top of customers' cloud warehouses, help them understand what's going on, why is it happening, and ultimately figure out what to do about it using machine learning to accelerate a lot of the really painful parts of staying on top of why metrics are changing. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's great. And I think uh, at the end of the day, you know, you know, we see this within our customer base. You know, everyone has their north star and where the business you know, needs to go. Uh, but really, understanding causality—really, you know, what is ultimately you know driving customer behavior or other aspects of the business—it you know, really has real subtlety. And sort of the, the work that you guys are doing is, is fascinating from, from my perspective. I think it really does represent the future of how data can be harvested. Yeah. You know, so, so with that sort of as a context, uh, you know, let's dive into our, our big question today. Yeah, you know, Sisu data, much like Simon data, um, you know, is really built for a next generation of, of sort of data infrastructure and data systems. And uh, you know, today we're going to be talking about the topic around uh, you know the future of you know, of SaaS, you know, the business application, uh, and really how this all fits in you know to today's you know, you know cloud-based modern data warehouse. Uh, so with that, uh, you know, Peter, maybe you can sort of kick off and talk about some of the advancements you've seen over the recent years. Uh, you know, around the modern data stack, uh, around around today today's modern infrastructure, and around you know, specifically things that you know, you know, that can be affected today uh, around first party data, customer data, uh, you know, data that describes the, the the business more broadly uh, that maybe a few years ago were just you know pretty pretty difficult. So I think over the last ten years, especially the last five years, we've seen it really breaking down of a lot of silos organizationally inside of most most companies. So this is all centered around this idea of the data warehouse, which is a super old concept, you know, 40 plus years old. And historically, the warehouse was very expensive. So data was this expensive, scarce thing. People were pretty cheap relative to the warehouse. And with the shift to the cloud and cheaper compute, cheaper storage, suddenly the warehouse has gotten a lot cheaper and a lot more scalable. And we've seen this kind of rebuilding of the infrastructure stack to make the cloud warehouse the source of integration and increasingly source of truth for everything going inside the business. So if historically I had my marketing database, my sales database, my product databases, maybe an operational transaction system and a billing warehouse, now it's really cheap to go and 
pull all this data together and increasingly integrate it. And we've seen really in the last two, three years with, with you know, the shift to remote work and COVID, the adoption of these cloud warehousing, you know, really speed up. But then also people kind of move up the Maslow's hierarchy of, of, of data, if you will, from how do I get my data out of these silos to how do I go and integrate this data to now what do I do with all of this data that's no longer just my marketing data in one database or just my sales data in one database, but I have this almost 360 of my business sitting inside of one place where in theory, anyone inside of my organization has a login can go and access it. Uh, yep. Yeah, no. And, and, and from our perspective, you know, we've certainly tracked on very similar things. And uh, you know, when we sort of look at the breadth of tools that are, are available to you know, build that customer 360 and build you know, really a, a 360 of the business more broadly, uh, you know, friction in the, the technology set that enables that is a lot lower than it was um, you know, even, even a couple of years back. You know, what's interesting for us and what's fascinating for, for both of us and, you know, Peter, before the show, when we were sort of aligning on, uh, you know, on, on, on sort of where things are heading, uh, you know, when you look at MarTech and, and you know, and, and business applications more broadly, uh, you know, there's still a lot of, uh, a lot of systems that really orient data in a very closed loop fashion. Uh, it's very compelling to a business stakeholder, you know, to say something like, look, Peter, you know, you have your business, you have your data team and, you know, they're doing their thing, but like, you know, quite frankly, like the data is just not ready. It's just not there. Um, you know, the, you know, their, their quality issues, their operational issues, you know, all you have to do is, uh, you know, you know, click these buttons, you know, you, know, you plug this, uh, you know, pixel onto your website and install this SDK, uh, you know, and, and you can just sort of operate independently and, uh, and freely of, of, of really IT and your, your data systems. And, you know, you know, from our perspective, you know, these solutions can, they, they work until they don't, uh, you know, and, and while yes, like, you know, in, in the very short term, they can uh, accelerate workflows and, and accelerate time to value. You really look at the complexity of many modern businesses, uh, you know, they're just limiting. Uh, and, and in particular, if you look at all the data that exists, you know, in the data warehouse and, you know, in today's modern data environments, uh, you know, they quite, they just isn't collected, uh, you know, in a web or mobile capacity. Like if someone calls into support, uh, as someone, if you have any sort of offline presence in store, and if you think about all the complexities around, uh, you know, not just what, you know, products people browse as an example, but all the data behind the product, the margin of the product, the category of the product, uh, you know, you know, so the popularity or the quality of the product, whatever it might be that might be interesting for, for you from an analytical perspective, you know, or from a marketing segmentation perspective for that matter. Uh, let's find everyone, uh, you know, who browsed our top 10 most popular products over the last year. Uh, you know, you simply won't be able to do that. Um, you know, and, and furthermore, beyond this, one of the big trends that we see, you know, we're not, not in a big trend is, is as businesses invest in their data strategy and data infrastructure, you know, you know this really, uh, is designed to be the source of truth for the business. Um, you know, and as soon as you have a second source of truth for your business, some closed loop system that purports to be able to you know, reconcile revenue off of you know, website behaviors, you, know, you suddenly have big problems on your hands. And when you sort of have this drift across uh, you know, systems that uh, you should be having the same data because don't, uh, you know, this becomes you know, super problematic. You know, and Peter, maybe you can sort of speak to this. And you know, I know you had some thoughts around you know, privacy implications, but how that, that all sort of plays and mix into this. Yeah. I think the what you described with closed loop systems is some and sometimes it's kind of an on ramp to getting data into the business. So if I have no instrumentation for marketing or for product or for my mobile systems that can install the pixel or install one bit in my SDK and start collecting data are very useful and and, and it, I can get my dashboards out of the box. I can get a bunch of useful functionality in the box. It's kind of verticalized for one one specific function, but 
if you look at any serious player inside of these closed loop systems across personas and marketing in all its various forms, also looking at product sales, operations, so on, they're all going into the warehouse now. And it's, it's this realization that one, the warehouse can take all of this data. So it's no longer a technical constraint, but then this data is just much more valuable and it's when it's blended together. And I think towards a privacy question, it's been striking to see with some of the changes on mobile with the do not track features that say Apple's rolled out, how much that's affected a lot of the closed loop system people have built around say mobile user tracking for things like conversion analytics. Uh, super, super useful to figure out, you know, say the different versions of application, different versions of targeting, how are your customers consuming your application or services based on their phones? If you're solely relying on that data feed, you're basically starting from square one again. And if you can go and integrate that with the information you have about users who are consuming your products and services, who are engaging, who are renewing, who are purchasing more and finding friends, it's, you know, once you're inside of say the product analytics space where you have all of your first party information, for example, we're working with a, um, a delivery uh, uh, application on the mobile space. The amount of context you have in say, a delivery application is just insane around uh, what users are coming in, what they're purchasing, who they're inviting, what coupon codes and so on. That's all first-party data that you are capturing inside of your product that, that is already going to be existing because you're running a business that's being stored in a transactional database somewhere. Suddenly, when you put that inside of your data warehouse and you can stitch it together with all of the other data you have around revenue and the data you may have to do attribution and in marketing, all these analyses that if you just had that closed loop marketing only click based um, approach, which are, which, which are being fundamentally limited by the platform now, in the case of the iPhone, you know, you'd be completely toast. Whereas in, in some sense, it would you like look at the product data, you have so many dimensions, you don't even know where to start, start looking. Um, so I think that the people who are able to go and take that data forward approach and integrate their data are ne- necessarily at a stronger position because they have more places they can go and diagnose all the things turning out, how are categories driving this, how is spend. Even I can't do individual customer level recognition. Knowing, for example, what's driving my gross sales week over week and starting to tailor my campaigns and creatives towards those and even able to correlate things like delivery uh, addresses with high-level demographic information. There's so much I can infer as a marketer that doesn't require all of the all of the data that I've now been kind of cut off from as a function of my platform for delivering my app to my consumers that will never get removed because that's the core product experience. And I think marketing based on the core product experience and the services being consumed is, is, is in some sense even better aligned to customer value. Obviously a lot of challenge in terms of doing the analytics to make that happen, but it's just, it's such a powerful value proposition. I think that's why we've seen this acceleration, especially in marketing towards a more open ecosystem, or at least towards more consolidated data platform, especially in the cloud warehouses. Yeah, uh, 100%. And, and really, when I sort of look at, at the trends and where the center of gravity lives, uh, you know, a couple stats come to mind. Uh, you know, last year, uh, you know, data volumes in the cloud data warehouse increased by 53%. Uh, you know, VC investments into data infrastructure was you know, topped $30 billion. If you look at sort of any category of, of, of SaaS or uh, you know, sort of back-end technologies, uh, you know, really, you know, this is the dominating force. Um, you know, so when I look at, uh, you know, where things are heading and really where the bets need to be placed and, you know, when I sort of, you know, you know talk to our customers and certainly for the listeners on our podcast, I think it's, you know, the, the, really the guiding principle that I always push folks towards is make sure you understand uh, your data strategy. Uh, 
Uh, you know, make sure you, you understand uh, you know, who the stakeholders are, what the technology looks like today, what the capabilities are. Um, you know, and more importantly, make sure you understand where, you know, where everything is heading uh, and be part of the conversation. Um, yeah, you know, I think this is really a root cause of some of the challenges we're seeing around adoption, you know, across current SaaS applications is if people aren't taking the time to really look over on the other side of the business, uh, and really just seeing this explosive growth and explosive immersion of a new set of capabilities, um, you know, that, you know, really, you know, in some sense, you know, you represent the path forward for, you know, every single, uh, you know, brand out there. Yeah, so let's sort of talk about brass tacks for a minute. How does it all come together, rather? Everything from, you know, sort of you know, high visibility categories like reverse ETL, uh, you know, to the future of SaaS and, you know, and really, you know, what does a cloud data warehouse look like in Snowflake, uh, you, know, you know, for that matter, uh, you know, two, three, five, ten years out? You know, what, what's your take on, on this, Peter? So there's definitely a bit of a crawl, walk, run in terms of the evolution that we see in the market. And there's some constants throughout this. So so the crawl version of this is very simple, right? You're going to go and aggregate more and more data inside of your inside of your warehouse. And that aggregation, as we've kind of hinted at, it's not like when you pull in your sales data set, you discover more customers. You get more and more context about every customer. You get more and more columns. You get more and more data that you can start to use for things like modeling, for analytics, and so on. And, and the crawl version is just getting that data ETL'd and cleaned up and integrated in the first place, which is pretty critical, to be honest, because... Once you can go and stitch that data together once, then you can use it for every application in your company, from analytics to machine learning to operational, um, you know, customer interactions. And I see in the kind of current state of affairs where you've got essentially, you know, your Salesforce and your customer service applications on top of this, this idea of kind of reverse ETL says, I'm going to take that clean data, I'm going to pull in the field that I wouldn't otherwise have my customer service tool, or wouldn't otherwise have on my sales force and I'll just pump them back in, right? And there's this kind of talk about a different form of closed loop. It's like a operational analytics tools or reverse ETL kind of pump the data out. And then there's a bunch of tools to pump the data in and then there's a bunch of cleaning that happened in between. So it's a little bit um, just kind of getting the pipes hooked up a bit today. The next step, which is which is kind of an obvious one when you then look at the data, is you know, what do we do with all of this stuff? Other than just pumping new fields, like essentially setting up a very expensive pipeline to go pump my data from uh, say Stripe back into my customer service dashboard, like what new applications can I actually go build on top of this? And what we often find is if you're in a world where you're used to manually going and slicing and dicing or manually hunting and pecking around this data, there's just too much to go and look at. And so there's a new, we see a new class of kind of analytics tools coming in to help sift through that and make sure people are looking at the right at the right stuff, right? So I define, define a metric like conversion rate, want to have tools like CC to go and look and figure out, okay, what is changing? Why is it changing? What's new? What's different? And almost like ranking and prioritizing where people, where people go and look. And, and on top of that, also building out more rich application functionality. So, so actually thinking about running more complex functions and user-defined logic on top of the warehouse that then, of course, can still be pumped into you know, Zendesk and so on. But it might be instead of just having, you know, I now have my Stripe billing ID inside of Zendesk, I can actually say, here are the top five customers that this rep should go and look at today based on the dependency of, say, conversion or otherwise, or, or if they're seeing bad behavior or so on, much more intelligent. And I think in the, in the, in the fullness of time, you're actually going to go see potentially entire categories of SaaS just being rewritten on top of the warehouse. And the opportunity to rewrite is not just that it's, hey, it's running on top of Snowflake for vanity purposes, that it's actually much more context-rich and context-enabled. And so it's it's actually building new functionality you can't provide today, except in these kind of intermediate layers that are doing a lot of intelligent 
computation. Um, because it's, it, you know, the app is built from day one, thinking about the fact that it doesn't just have your sales data, it has your marketing data, it has your operations data, it doesn't just have your marketing data, it also has your product data, your sales data. And because these APIs, these dominant players are, are so common, right, there's actually kind of a least common denominator in terms of what's a product analytics looks like, and I have a notion of dwell time and engagement and so on. And that's like the huge opportunity I think where you're seeing, you see a $30 billion of infrastructure investment, you'll see the next 30 to $60 billion building these data apps on top of it. That will take a while to come. But for me, the constant in this crawl, walk, run is suddenly, instead of having everyone has access to their own silos, suddenly everyone has access to everything. And the source of truth increasingly becomes the warehouse. So the question is, is from an application tier, how do I go and use all this context that I've been operating essentially in a vacuum, just in my corner of the business unit inside of my department, as well as thinking about all the data inside my company. And that's, that is, I think, the, the promise that we're heading towards. I think the the grand question we're seeing play out in the market is beyond the crawl version, just pumping data back. What's the intelligence look like? And then what, how do you build apps on top of all of this? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, and, and the real challenge is in front of us as well. You know, when I sort of look at, you know, the, you know some of the characteristics of this next generation of SaaS, we sort of break it down into like three core competencies. Uh, yeah, the first is what we call sort of one-to-one data representation. So this is exactly what you're saying, Peter. And you know, whatever data you have in your source of truth in your warehouse, you want to make sure it's available um, you know, in your application tier for whether it be sort of advanced, you know, causal, you know, causal inference, you know, for what CC is doing around understanding your KPIs and your metrics, uh, or whether it's for fine-grained segmentation or personalization in a platform like Simon Data. You know, the second is really one of operations. Uh, you know, the modern data warehouse historically, or the cloud data warehouses, and cer- certainly, you know, you know, you know, you know, generations before that, you know, you weren't you know, typically thought of as operational centers to run your business. Uh, right. You know, so really thinking about uh, you, know, how do you actually you, know, you, know, you know, store the data and operate a system that can run 24-7, 365 and real time and all that. Uh, and those are real material challenges. Those are you know, very much open, open, open questions that we're working through uh, you know, as, as a platform and working with our, our partners uh, towards as well. And then you know, the final point is, is, look, if the data warehouse is the source of, um, of, of truth and sort of the center of data you know, moving forward, then really thinking about the application is not just you know, sort of a one directional uh, you know, destination, but instead, uh, you know, a, a piece in a broader set of broader world of data, you know, which includes all the raw bits, uh, which includes the analysis and the algorithms and the you know, machine learning, and the predictive, uh, you know, you know, and, and also includes your third party data and more. Uh, and really just thinking about the broader data ecosystem or this, the data supply chain is um, you know, you know, Snowflake, Snowflake calls it for, for anyone who missed our episode a, a, few, a few weeks back. Uh, with Bill Stratton and Tom uh, from from Redpoint, really today, you know, the vast majority of SaaS is you know data agnostic, uh, and is mostly just fed via an API. Yeah, it's funny because I think we're almost a decade after, uh, maybe even longer. Mark Andreessen wrote this essay, "Software's Even the World," right? And I think that what that what he meant by that was you've got all these companies and in, in, in tech enabled or software enabled disruptors. So you have Uber and Lyft and so on. I think what's interesting about that is you had kind of a very narrow application of tech. I'm going to deliver and use software to deliver a new app or a new service or so on. What's, but, but, but the kind of the internal operations of most companies with, with few exceptions are really still gut instinct and really still not really data enabled at all. And I would claim that with, with this type of consolidation we're talking about here, there's actually this opportunity where we're, we're going to see internal operations, right? Internally, how people are making decisions change in a, in, in a very, very big way um, be, due to the decreased friction that, that 
has been around forever. Either, you know, historically we didn't have the data. Then the data was in silos. Now it's kind of in the right place, but not clean. Now it's increasingly clean. And I think that, um, that role of data and data and decision-making, it's like almost a trope. I almost hate saying that as, as, it, as it kind of comes out here. Um, it's actually kind of doable in ways that people don't historically have uh, access to. And, and from an operational perspective, just like the excuse for not using data to inform something like a weekly business review and marketing, it really is just vanishing. Like, like, like every weekly business review should be informed by data today if it's, if it's not already. And even inside of some of the most you know, slow moving companies, right? There's this realization that, Hey, we have to go and do this. And, and part of this is there's competitive pressure, which has always existed. But part of it is it just got so much easier from the infrastructure layer. And I think it's very interesting to think not of data and software as this one thing we apply in one magic part of our application or one magic part of our, um, of our, of our service. Like we're going to use ML for driver matching or whatever, but suddenly we're going to use ML and the data we have for like every part of our business operations. And especially with the shift to remote work where we're all doing work digitally anyway, like how data goes and influences the operating cadence of a modern organization, I think is going to change dramatically provided we can actually go operationalize all of this. Yeah, 100%. And, and look, right, you know, having managed teams and, and now you know, running a you know, 100-person plus, plus business, you know, you know, your basic uh, human nature is that if something is hard, you're not going to do it. Uh, you know, so as the systems evolve and as the data becomes more accessible and as you know, workflows that can leverage you know, data that lives in the data warehouse and beyond uh, you know, become you know, just that much easier and at your fingertips, your know, adoption will track. Uh, you know, so you're really excited to see what happens in the years to come. Yeah, it's kind of stunning like how much of modern, even like management practices are built in a model where like there's really not a lot of data available, period. And, and functionally speaking, I mean, you've been around data for, for a while as well. It's like there hasn't been that much data at most people's you know, fingertips for a long, long, long time. And uh, just just like imagine that, you know, now everyone talks about setting OKRs and KPIs and so on, having OKRs that are just like revenue and PNL every every quarter is, is commonplace, it's common practice. The next five to 10 years, especially around data and how data is operationalized inside of companies, I think it's going to change dramatically. And what's considered like good management practices, I think have a high probability of, of, of shifting pretty dramatically when suddenly it's so cheap to go and do this stuff. And the friction is so low that, that there's no excuse otherwise. And that, that it's subtle, but I imagine, you know, it's like if, like if Peter Drucker or, um, or, uh, you know, Andy Grove were around in like 2025. Like I would love to read like the, the, um, the high output management version 2025 based on not just the idea of, you know, setting metrics and, and, and measuring output, but like actually like here's the stack to go and enable that. Cause it's going to change pretty dramatically. And the answer that, Oh, you know, this metric dropped because of seasonality or some, something someone just pulls out of thin air. It's like increasing, not going to be a viable excuse. Yeah, no, that, that's totally fascinating. I think we'd probably spend another hour talking about uh, you know, how you know, data-driven decision-making and the right metrics you know, can really just sort of just you know, transform management uh, you know, culture and, and really just strategy. Yeah, but with that, I think we are about at the end of our time today. First, Peter, thank you for joining us on our podcast and sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, really, when I sort of reflect back on, on the broader conversation we've had, it's, it's really one of you know, a fundamental re-questioning around you know, today's world of SaaS applications and, uh, and really asking uh, you know, what powers them. When you know, we sort of look at you know, where data is heading and, and sort of the massive bets that you know, so many brands today have made in the cloud data warehouse – 
you know, I think there's a very compelling case to be made that, uh, yeah, you know, that if your critical business applications, you know, aren't interfacing, you know, in 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 a native way with, you know, with the modern data warehouse today, you know, and with your core data as a business and your data team more broadly, you know, it's something that you'll definitely want to consider. You know, CSU is really a great reference of what you can do from an analytical and an inference perspective, you know, you know, for applications on top of the data warehouse. And Peter, maybe you can you talk. Uh, you know, let our listeners know for anyone who wants to learn more about CC Data, where they can go uh, and how they can learn more. Definitely. So we're online at ccdata.com. Uh, would love to, you know, give a demo or, or walk through the product with anyone who's interested. Uh, I think it's a pretty different way of looking at data, especially the super wide data that's available in, in cloud warehouses. And, uh, you know, as a former academic, I have a heavy bias towards, towards showing rather than telling. So would love to you know, let folks take it for a spin if they're if they're interested. That's that's great to hear. Also, I'm a, I'm a reformed academic as well, probably a bit more reformed than you are, Peter. But yeah, have the same bias. And thank you, everyone, uh, listening to this episode of the Data Unlocked podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about Simon Data, please visit us on the web at simondata.com. We are also digitally available, or email us at hello at simondata. You've been listening to the Data Unlocked. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale.